got your Bibles, can I ask you to take them out, please? And we'll turn to a book of the of Philippians that we've been looking at. And uh, we'll continue with our study of this beautiful book. And today we will be looking at um, verse 20. So Philippians 1, verse 20. And this is what it says. According to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Father, may you be pleased as we look at your word this morning. Thank you for your most holy word. So verse 20 is part of the continuation of Paul writing to the Philippian church. And uh, we see here, uh, verse 20 reveals how Paul establishes his balance, his control, and um, kind of his bearing in hardship. Remember what the statements I made last week. Balance or control in setback has its roots in the Word of God. Balance and control. So... When life throws whatever it throws at us, we are to be balanced. And we, are only find, we will only find that we are balanced if we are rooted in the Word of God. John 17, 17 says that the Word of God is truth. And we know that actually when adversity, when life happens... That's when we are tested. We see whether we have a confidence in God's word, in the truth of God. So Paul continues. He starts off here saying, according to my earnest expectation and hope. According to means um, it's the norm. According to what happens, it's the norm. This is uh, the norm by which he, Paul, lived. This was his spiritual aspiration. According to how I live my life, according to what I expect, according to my hope, according to my confidence. Then he says, according to my um, earnest, earnest expectation. And this earnest expectation is an intense compound term of three words in Greek. Away from, head, and look. It literally means to stretch the head away from the body to look. So to stretch your head away from the body to look. The head bent forward to see something or um, looking away towards something. It is an intense uh, term for concentration. So you're stretching your head out away from your body, looking for something, concentrating to see something. Um, 
It means to anticipate by watching very carefully or very, yeah, very carefully for something. So you've stretched your head away from your body, you know, for the Kenyans, the Maasai, they've got long necks. And so they stretch and they can check. They, they're looking out for something. This is what Paul was saying here. This word is used for a God watching in the dark. He strains to see the enemy. He is waiting to see the slightest movement as he's watching. And with that explanation, one, one has to ask, what was Paul intensely concentrating upon? What was he stretching his, his uh, neck and head away from his body? What was he concentrating on? What was he looking for? And the answer is he, Paul, wanted to magnify Christ in his life. He wanted to magnify Christ in his life. He was a man who was passionate when it came to magnifying Christ. He was enthusiastic about magnifying Christ. This was the focus of his whole bearing. This was his focus of his whole life. He was attentive to anything that even slightly reflected poorly upon the Lord Jesus. And so he would stretch out his neck, his head, and he was watching to see the, the, the church, the, what was happening in Rome, guys were preaching the gospel, um, but some were preaching from a place of uh, good motives, others were preaching from a place of bad, wrong motives. So Paul in prison is stretching, he's looking out, he's listening, he's praying, he's asking. But all he wanted was to magnify Christ, regardless of where he was found. Unfortunately, the truth is very few people can focus and concentrate for long periods. If I had to ask you this morning, how good are we at concentrating? Bless you. How good are we at concentrating for long periods? One primary reason why we do poorly in our jobs in our schools and other enterprises is lack of concentration. In our work, wherever we are doing it, the reason sometimes we do so poorly is because we lack concentration. And for us as Christians, a quality Christian life takes concentration. A quality Christian life takes concentration. A Christian who does not focus upon orientating every aspect of their lives to Christ will live with short-term, short-sighted, and limited ends in view. Now, I'll admit, in school, my concentration level was not very, very long. And I had friends around me who encouraged the fact that I wasn't, very, I wasn't concentrating to my um, is the right word demise when you, to my, English is my eighth, eighth language. But it's true of us, even when we grow up, we, we, we lack concentration, we lack the ability to, to focus, we do. 
And for us as Christians, we need to be uh, aware of the fact that we need to focus in our Christian walk. Paul in prison was still focused, was in prison. He was facing a trial. He could have been, uh, the, the outcome of his trial would have either been set free or um, sent to be killed, to be executed. But there he found himself focusing. There, what is he focus, focusing on? On Christ. He's, pre, he's saying about those who are preaching. Uh, I mean, I'm in pr- he's in prison. He should be actually focused on himself. He should be actually um, me, 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 me. No, no, there he is out of his own focus of the viewpoint of God, he is speaking about others out there wanting to glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he goes on and says that, according to my earnest expectation and hope. Hope in Greek means more than a wish. Who knows that hope is not just, oh, I wish that's going to happen. I wish I will win the lotto. I wish I will get that thing. No, no, hope is more than that. It carries the idea of confidence in the ultimate outcome. So it's going to happen. You are hopeful that that thing is going to happen. We, as a Christian body, we are hopeful that Jesus Christ will come back. Jesus Christ will return. We are hopeful. We don't wish for that, although some of us wish it happens now. But the, the truth is we are hopeful that it is going to, there's truth wrapped in our hope that it is going to happen, that he will come back. We have confidence in that. Paul was taking a look at his entire life to the very end. He was, as he's in prison, there he looks at his life, current, past, current, and into the future, and he has hope. He is earnestly concentrating on magnifying the Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of his life, Paul did not want to be ashamed of how his life reflected upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That's quite something. He, did, he, was, he didn't want to be ashamed. Even in prison, he still doesn't want to be ashamed. I mean, in prison, you've got a whole bunch of people around you. You can be as you want. No one really will know, other than those in prison, that likelihood is all of you will die. And so, who cares? No, he cared. Why? Because he wanted to glorify the King Jesus, the one who called him, the one who saved him. The apostle did not want to have any regrets at the end of his life. Up to this point, he had no regrets. If this was the end of his life on earth, whilst in prison, he wanted to finish strongly. And so this morning I've got to ask us, got to ask myself, how are we poised, how are we positioned to glorify our King? Do we have regrets? Do we have disappointments? Where are we standing? How do we see our lives? Do we look with a long-term view into the future? in way of glorifying our King. It doesn't matter how old you are, whether you're an uncle or opa. It doesn't matter, or a youngster, how are we positioned this morning in our lives? Paul had a viewpoint to the end. And all along the way, all he wanted was everything in him 
to glorify him who saved him, Jesus Christ. So he, he uh, continues in this, in this uh, scripture. He says that, he starts off by saying, According to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Whether by life or by death. It's easy to say, may Christ be magnified and glorified by my death. Because thereafter I don't have control. But actually I've got some sort of control now whilst I'm still alive. And Paul would say, whilst he's still alive, may God be glorified. May Christ be glorified in my life. And I will do everything I can to make sure that that is the case. Verse, this uh, first uh, phrase of this verse 20, which, is a, which says, according to my earnest expectation and hope, indicates that Paul lived his life with a future in mind. He lived his life, even in prison, with a future in mind. At the end of his life, he wanted to look back and say that he had lived to the glory of God. So if you, this was your last day today, could you look back in your life and say, actually, I have done all that I can to live my life, that I've been blessed by the giver of life for his glory. Could you honestly say that? I would admit and say, no, I can't. I can't. And that's why we read scripture and scripture reminds us. And thank God for his grace and his mercy that he lavishes over us. He continues and says that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Paul was looking at shame from the viewpoint of the rest of his life. He was evaluating the future. He did not want to waste his time on earth losing opportunities because of shame. He wanted to finish strong. Now, how many of us ashamed of the gospel how many of us are ashamed of Christ the rock of our lives this is not a, a, a condemnation I'm not uh, pointing fingers or this is just I'm preaching the word of God and asking questions to you and to myself and the, the reality is most of us have failed in many many ways in many areas of our lives and no matter how many times we have failed, we should not look back with regret or focus on the past. No matter how many times we've failed, we've tried and you failed. And I think sometimes we get caught in, oh, it's happened or that has, hasn't worked out the way it's supposed to be. And so I get caught up in that place where I am living in regret. Paul didn't do that. We should use our lives at the very moment to set a platform for the future. So where you are now, you should be actually looking at the viewpoint of the future and setting a platform to go forward, 
to go forward and in that going forward, you are looking to glorify him so that you can honestly say in your life, actually where I'm at, I am doing all that I can to give God the glory that is due to his name. Guilt may uh, permeate us. You know those questions or those statements in your mind that says, oh, I should have studied more in college or in varsity. I should have, I should have. And if I did, I would not be a, a flop. <laughs> a letdown to my family, to my colleagues, to my this, to my that, if I had done that. Or if only I would have been more faithful to that decision. I should have stuck to that thing that I decided to do. I should have been more faithful to that relationship that, that God brought upon and I wasn't and things kind of fell apart. I should have, I should have. Remember those thoughts that go on? Uh, not, not Malcolm, he doesn't remember those thoughts. I, those thoughts come, oh, I have failed. As a person. And I actually have failed as a Christian. I want to ask you to put your hands up. and Who has those thoughts? I have failed God. I have failed as a person. I have failed as a husband. I have failed as a father. I have failed as a Christian. I'm going to give us 10 seconds, 10 to 15 seconds, if that's okay. And I want you to think of those, to bring those thoughts to to your mind, to the surface. This is not a a hip, hip, is it hypnotic? Uh, Just think about those those, those questions that come up in your mind. Think about those. Oh, I have failed. I should have. I shouldn't have done that. I should. uh, For 10 seconds, just I want you guys to bring those thoughts to your mind. Bring them to remembrance. This is the time you're allowed to have them in your mind. Okay, don't, don't invent more. <laughs> did, did, any, did we come up with any? Did, did they come to your mind? Do we have one, two, three, four, five, nothing, maybe? Four. Four. Ah, more? Okay. This is why you cut it short. <laughs> <laughs> the point of that little exercise is this. Friends... Family, brothers and sisters, those thoughts are absolutely futile. They are pointless. Why did you even think of them? Why did you agree to listen to me? Why? It adds nothing to your life. It takes away from you. Those thoughts, I should have, I could have, this would have happened mean absolutely nothing. They are futile in your life, in my life. Absolutely pointless. The past is the past. 
The past is the past. And you cannot change it. You cannot change what happened yesterday. Good stuff, bad stuff, whatever happened, you cannot change it. The past is the past. But guess what? Guess what? We can change the future. We can change the future. There is a hope. There is a hope. Our lives can have purpose and definition if we look at our expectation and hope like Paul did. Can you imagine Paul in prison facing this trial? And he's looking back and said, oh man, maybe I, should have, I shouldn't have listened to God in inverted commas. Maybe I shouldn't have gone to preach the word into in the entire world at that stage. If I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be found in prison now. Can you imagine uh, him having those thoughts? I'm sure those thoughts happened, took place in his, in his head. Yeah, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be here. I would be living my life like everyone else, free out in the world. But he, he realized that were, those kind of thoughts are futile. They mean nothing. They add nothing to your life. They take away from you, actually. But he's able to look with expectation and hope toward the future that God has for him. Even though he is bound in prison. Bound in prison. He continues on in this verse and says, but with all boldness as always. So he starts up by saying, according to my earnest expectation, this is his lifestyle, this is how he lives, um, and hope, he's hoping, he doesn't, he's not disappointed as to what's happened. Maybe he was, but he, he kind of focused on, on Christ and magnified Jesus. And he says that nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always. Boldness is the antithesis to shame. Boldness means to speak your mind, a frankness of speaking that amounts to an um, attitude of fearlessness. It's fearless communication. Paul had courageous openness when he came to sharing his faith. I must say I don't have that. I don't always have that. Then goes and says, as always. And this statement, as always, indicates that this was his pattern. It's not just a once-off thing. This is his life. This is his pattern. He never had to regret not sharing his faith with forthrightness. He maintained that openness throughout his life. You remember years earlier, he had said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Romans 1.16 for someone to have that kind of statement, led by the Holy Spirit, he had to believe in what he was saying. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. 
for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Paul had to believe in what he was saying. And for us today, and the reality back then for those Christians who lived in Paul's time, is that they and we fail to witness, not only because of fear, but because of shame. We fail to witness because we are fearful of what people will think of our crazy gospel that we are about to tell you, the hope that we hold within. So we are scared or we are fearful because of what they will think, but we are also ashamed. Um, when I say ashamed, is we, we, are, we are scared of being hum humiliated, feeling as though we are humiliated or we are distressed because of the foolishness of our behavior as Christians. So it's not just fear of people's thoughts and opinions. It's also because we feel maybe ashamed. We feel ashamed of preaching the word of God, stating what God has done for us. But the word of God says that the, the, the foolishness of this, um, of this world, uh, what it, it's foolishness to those who are dying. The gospel is foolishness to those who are dying. Those who do not know. Yet we have a hope. We have a hope. So yes, we are going to be foolish or be seen as foolish, but we need to be like Paul. Can you imagine in prison, he there was preaching. He wanted to glorify God at every instant he got. I don't know how it looked like. I'm sure he had maybe moments where he thought, oh man, this is not working. These guys are so hard. They are not hearing. But yet he presented the word of God uh, with faithfulness. And God did what he needed to do. Like you and I. Once upon a time we were in the kingdom of darkness. Someone spoke life into us. And God has shone his light into a dark world. And we were opened up. And today I can guarantee you, you do not regret where you find yourself. You do not regret because there is peace that is offered to us. That we, we experience that as his children. And those who are not uh, believers who don't believe in him, don't trust him, don't follow him, don't experience that peace. There's a hope that we can hold on to because why wow, we are his children. Because why wow, we read his word and we believe in his word. See, unfortunately, the focus of many Christians today is pleasure, sensual indulgences, money, selfishness, power, flattery, and the like. We focus on many things that shouldn't be the case. But remember the word of God says that we are set apart. We are set apart. We are different. Yes, we're in the world, but not of the world. And so we are different, but we still kind of find ourselves focusing on the things of this 
world, the things in the world. And unfortunately for people who live like this, mark segments of time. There's times where you are feeling well and then you're not feeling well. And then this and it's up and it's done. But we need to hold our confidence in Him who has saved us. We need to make a decision like Paul to look at the future and see Him and what He is doing, even though we might not see it now, but what He's going to do into the future. They live, people like this live with no ultimate orientation in view. We need to live with eternal values in our view. How many of us remember to live each day with an eternal value at our disposal, at our viewpoint? I don't. Help me, God, to be able to do that. Our focus should be future-orientated, not past. That's gone. You can't change it. You can't fix it. It's done. But you can certainly do something going forward. The future should have goal orientation, a vulnerability with fearless openness about the one we love. Paul was able to do that, not just within the Christian community that he praised and sang and proclaimed that Jesus is his Lord and Savior, but even within the world that does not know him, he was able to live without regret and, 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 and proclaim God, Jesus Christ, his beloved. He had an eternal viewpoint into his future. I'll leave us with this question. In all honesty, are you, dear brothers and sisters, are you living your life full of regrets? Are you honestly living your life full of regrets? I should have done that. If only I did this. If only I did that. Are you living your life full of regrets? Or even just some points of regret in your life? Are you, how are you living your life today? And like I said earlier on, if you're doing that, that is pointless. There's no point. You're wasting your time. You're eating away at your, your peace. It's taking away from your hope. It's taken away from the confidence that we have in Christ Jesus, our, our Lord and Savior. But this morning, I, uh, I promise you, based on the Word of God, that there is hope. That there is hope. We can make a difference today that will affect us going forward. But can I ask us to please think of eternal values? Eternal, far, not just for the now. As I said, this is not meant to be a motivational preach, but it's just a reminder that this one who, who, overcame, who overcame it all, he has died and he rose again. He brings peace to our lives. 
Remember the same book in Philippians says that we, are, we, we experience a peace that surpasses all understanding. You cannot understand that peace unless you're with Him. Unless you're found rooted in Him. Unless your view uh, point is on Him. There is hope. And my hope is found in the same person who saved me and saved you. He didn't save us so we can get into heaven, to ticket into heaven. No, no, he saved us and called us to, uh, left us on this earth for a great exploit, however that looks like. He saved Paul and put and allowed him to go into prison because he knew that that elite God group of gods needed to hear the gospel. And those men got saved. Some of them got saved because of Paul's obedience, because of his confidence in the one who called him son. So Jesus is alive. He gives us a hope. And there's much more for us to, to, to live for. Not to necessarily do, but to live for. And as you live for that, he, you just look for opportunities and He allows you to just engage and He gives you. I mean, as I said before, I don't want to repeat myself, but Paul could have thought differently. I've been thrown into prison. How is this even remotely going to work out for the advancement of the gospel? Yeah, I'm bound. But man, God gave him an, an opportunity to speak to those who genuinely would not really ever hear the, the good news from, from God himself. So um, there's a hope. Can I ask us to close our eyes? I'm going to ask us not to think of the future uh, failures in the past, but I'm going to ask us to think of the hope that is within you. It comes from Christ Jesus. And as you think of that hope with an eternal focus, the future focus, I'm going to pray for us and trust God.